Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out... Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hello and welcome to another episode of Volatify, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. Today, we give you part two of our interview with Chris Lashua from Cirque Mechanics. Enjoy the rest of the interview. I, so I have to ask, it feels like the, the elephant in the room question, and I apologize for that, but we are such a litigious society here in America. Yes. So uh, talk to me about liability and is that an issue for you that you come up against uh, clients who want to use you but are just too afraid? Yeah. So I think that um, it's absolutely an issue. And I would say this is this isn't just for us right now in the past year and a half. Las Vegas has gotten increasingly, um, I don't know, careful protective um many of the big you know psav and encore now have contracts with most of the rooms in vegas and mm -hmm. encore and psav their stipulations right now for liability they're at like five million um and you essentially what they're saying is we don't want to do aerial in the ballrooms anymore because mm -hmm. it's prohibitively expensive um and so one of the ways, one one of the things that actually could turn out to be a good thing for us is what they're saying in the in these big big rooms. You know, with if you're the I don't know if you're at the Cosmo and it's Encore, um, they're saying like it's five million. Uh, well, you go to try to get that policy for the day, right? Because they it's really difficult now to even get the excess policies annually because they've gotten increasingly expensive. Yes. And, I, and, and, and I'm sure this isn't just for circus. This is for all of us, right? We all know this. Um, but in the variety arts and in the acrobatic kind of world, there's like probably three underwriters um, <laughs> that write all the policies that cover this. Um, and this was explained to me about um, a year and a half ago. Uh, and I, I'm going to get to your hat has have we come face to face with it uh and what had happened for us was is six months ago or so, a year ago eight months ago it was time to renew and um, we got a, a letter that said you're not going to be renewed and we're like hmm, well that's funny what happened um and it turns out that there was this claim that was paid it was like 200 and something thousand dollar claim by somebody that we had brought in on stage to be an audience an audience participant brought them on stage in one of our theater shows in a theater setting, right? Uh, brought them up the stairs, brought them on stage. They do this clown bit and then that person left. And during the the, the process that they, they they both people kind of get down on the knees and they stand up again. And the person got down on the knees, got back up again. And then, and then the, my, the, after the show, the clown said to me, oh yeah, that person said, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Whatever, you know, he shouldn't have gotten on his knees, got back up. Uh, and we checked in with that person after the fact and everything's fine. All that. Uh, but then like a year later, um, 
there was a claim made for, I don't know, it was like $80,000 or something like that for this person to have surgery on a knee. Um, Everybody knew it was baloney, but it doesn't yeah. matter, right? They I know it's baloney. The, the, the insurance company knows it's baloney. The people that we had a relationship with 10 years, 15 years knew it was baloney, but because they paid out and this person had the claim and then it got elevated and they ended up paying him over $200,000. Well, in insurance, there's this, like this factor, right? It's like anything over, I don't know, five times what your premium is, they're going to cancel you, you know, if you've got a, a claim. Well, in this case, that was well over our premium. And, um, and our agent went to bat for us. And, um, and, but he said to me, he said, look, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be straight with you. Like if you got canceled, it would be really difficult for you to find coverage. Well, as you could imagine in any world, let alone in the world of acrobatics, if you can't get liability insurance, you cease to exist. Right. So that's a big problem. So he said, what we need you to do is just um, no more audience participation. So I, I said, where do I sign? You know? Okay, fine. No audience participation. So, you know, in our theater show that's touring Zephyr now, um, that was a, kind of a design constraint, right? A design parameter was, okay, now when you're you're giving your creative team these parameters, you need to do this, this, and this. This needs to be uh, a a comedic number that has to do with something to do with this world, right? In our case, where the the central character is 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 the guy that runs a windmill and he grinds wheat into flour. And so we could use, we could use flour sacks. We could use, you know, these kind of parameters. Oh, and by the way, you can't use, an audience member anymore, right? Uh, and lucky for us, um, our kind of dramaturge and the guy that's a, an artist that I met on Cirque du Soleil 20 years ago, um, he's been on all of our, the writer on all of our shows. He came up with an amazing audience participation piece that is everybody in the audience and him on stage and nobody comes on stage and it's a win-win. Um, so, you know, I think that these challenges are going to continue to arise and then we have to find ways to address them. In the case of audience participation, we just worked around it, right? Um, in the case of Ariel, um, our devices are ground supported. So when Encore says, if you need to hang a point, it's going to not only cost you five grand for the rigors and another five grand for the excess policy and another whatever. Um, if we bring out our own stuff and it's on the ground, they go, oh, not our world. It's on you. So, when you asked me earlier, are we concerned? We're absolutely concerned because, as I said, if you have any incident, and I'm talking, if you have one incident, um, that could be the difference between you being able to get coverage or not. So, it's absolutely critical that we keep people safe, which is why we don't do anything if we're not sure that we're okay. Um, But um, we'll see what happens in Las Vegas and in other markets. You know, I think that what's going to happen in a lot of ways is these ground supported systems like, and lucky for us, it's one of the things that we developed with our gantry bike, this truss structure that, that is able to roll through the room. We, you, we've used these devices in the theater world for practical reasons, because of course in theaters, you can hang rigging, right? They're designed to hang, right. um, you know, battens and things like that, but they're actually not really designed unless it's a custom built venue for flying people. Um, so while we were able to hang trusts and use motors and guide them out with cables and keep it from moving around, um, it's, it's takes a lot of time. So once we realized that, wow, this gantry device that we have that was designed for outdoor festival use, if we put that on stage, we could build it from the ground up. Nobody needs to go to the grid. We don't need chain motors. We just cut our load in the truck by, you know, 
thousands of pounds and the rental costs and everything else. And so it was a practical, a practical answer that turned into something really to be a, a great thing for us because now consequently, every device we've built for our theater tours is now ground supported, which means we built it from the ground. We don't need rigors. It also means that in the event space, those devices don't fall under the purview of um, the, the rigging and the rigging design and all of that and, and the liability that is tied to the building because it's something on the ground. Now, will there be regulations that suddenly zero in on that kind of thing? Probably, possibly in the future. And that'll depend on whether people are smart about it, right? Because usually these regulations and stuff come from people being knuckleheads and doing things they shouldn't have done in the first place. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, well, and I, I, yeah. I was going to say that's that that's part of the discussion, right? And that's mm -hmm. part of the issue. You hand off to somebody else, and you you have to hope that the people that are under your employ are following directions to the T and not doing something foolish. But then you also have an audience, and you have to hope that they're not going to do anything foolish. And if that happens, and it ends up with somebody getting hurt, that's a tough case, right? Because yeah. To your example, somebody basically got off, off of the floor and claimed that they were hurt because they did that. Uh, there's no there's no defending it. There's there no defending. There really yeah, isn't. Right? It's just it's just uh it's it's really an occupational hazard, if you will. Or it could yeah. be. I mean it's and one you, of those things that you, you, can't you asked about, yeah, you asked about occupational hazards in the beginning. And honestly, that is our biggest occupational hazard, right? Is is the uncertainty of that we are really we're tr we're we're attempting to do something that is bringing something unique that is you know that whether it's in the theatrical world where we get to do some storytelling and choreography and we're doing something that we that is expressive that we that brings people joy and yet any one of these people that decides to do something unethical or sleazy or cheesy can really impact our ability to do what we do um, and there's really no way to protect against that. You know, I, I have this come up a lot with the American Circus Alliance. I mentioned earlier the mentorship program, but I, we also have a touring committee and we have other groups that we get together and we talk about these challenges in our world. And the answer a lot of times is there's really no way to be 100% covered in our universe unless you stay home, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not, I'm not suggesting that what we do is not risky, but man, um, that is the thing that we struggle with the most, right? Because there's something that I can't, we can only control everything that we do, mm -hmm. but we are in a public space, as you mentioned, uh, uh, in, in, in these in these ballrooms with a bunch of people walking around and drinking and eating and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, we all know, I mean, you know, it's just hard to control that. And Chris, in the concert world today, artists are having to beg their audiences not to throw things at them on stage, which just boggles my mind. And, and I have to say, I think about, you know, your people up there on, mm -hmm. on these roaming platforms. And, you know, I wonder is somebody someday going to just think, Oh, it'd be funny if I threw this watermelon at them, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I, and and you're right. So in the strolling, so and and that's why in the strolling environment. So we have the the tall tricycle. It has a railing on it with a safety on it. Um, when we're going over the audience and we have the aerialist, we have hand loops. I mean, we have things that we can do so that if some knucklehead does something like that, you know, we're 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 going to be okay. Uh, but you're absolutely right. And 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 you know it. And look, I mean, 
it's not just the drunk people. It's also people just have a way of sometimes not being smart about that kind of thing, right? They well, just, you've got a lot of people wanna... out there that are entitled and think, yeah. well, it's okay if I break the rule because yeah. I'm me. It's okay if I jump and try to hang on yeah. that trapeze that's hanging, right. right? So we have to tie everything up. We have to make sure they can't climb it. We have to babysit these things, right? You can't leave a 20-foot a tall jungle gym in the middle of the room in a corporate party <laughs> and expect people to knock. I know myself. I mean, you know, when I was less responsible, maybe I would climb on that thing as soon as somebody turned away and left the room, I'd be on it myself. So that helps us actually in some ways to protect some of this because- we're, you know, we, we were, we were kind of knuckleheads maybe when we were younger. So we're kind of on the lookout for people being delinquents as they get older. <laughs> so. Fritz, uh, I didn't even climb trees when I was a kid. So uh, <laughs> you won't ever have to worry about me climbing any of those contraptions ever, ever, ever. But how do you know when an artist is ready to go out on a contraption? Uh, do you, you know, is there a, is there a point when you know this person's ready to go? They've trained yeah. enough. Yeah, and some artists, some artists aren't ready. I mean, because it's not every artist that is ready. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a a fair amount of time. You know, we we don't we don't show up and stick somebody that's never been on a device on a device. Um, we have people all the time. They're like, oh well, we you know you're coming in and bringing these people, but we want the talent to go all night. And so, can we use our people on your stuff? And I'm like, no. oh gosh, <laughs> no. But you'd be surprised that that actually you know I mean. It happens quite often, right? People are like, well, you know, it's you could just put them on that platform; they'll be fine. I'm like, mm, yeah, mm. they might be, they might be fine, but if they're not fine, who, what? right? Like, what happens then, right? Yeah, there's, there's, you know, people, you know, sometimes they they think that that's um going to be okay. It's obviously not okay. Um, again, we we start slow, right? Um, you know, the the devices that we have, um, we have a ten foot plat, you know, it's ten foot high on this tricycle with a railing around it. Um, and so if, if an acrobat can scramble up the ladder right away with no issue, all right, well, they're, they're one step ahead they're likely going to need less time. But if somebody's struggling to climb the ladder, you know, well, we might rethink whether we're going to even have them up there. Usually, um, we're not, we're not just checking it out as they climb. We're not saying like, we, I wonder if they're okay. Let's see what happens. You know, like that's not the way we do it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, an additive process. We start slow, um, you know, we're not putting people um, 15 feet in the air if we don't, you know, if we don't know that they can, they've got good ground skills and they've got uh, the capacity to kind of know how to train, know how to warm up, know how to keep themselves safe. Right. Um, but you, but you're right in that um, it is not a, it's not a normal process. If for us, it has become that way. So from the outside, it's like, oh, how do you do that? Well, you know, it's like, it's like in, I don't know. It's like in dance, you know, if you're doing a lift and dance with a partner, you know, you don't, you don't just have somebody run straight at you full force and you throw your arms out and hope you're going to be able to, you know, post them in the air. Um, you know, you, you train it. Right. So as we do with the, with the, with the artists. So I'm curious to know if you remember the first time we met or worked together, I have no memory. I just know that there is this guy, Chris Lashua, who has a sear wheel uh, and is the wheel guy that we call when we needed that particular act. And honestly, I couldn't tell you when that started or or how that happened. So I'm wondering if you remember. Yeah, 2000. Um, so 
it was not a sear wheel. It was actually a German wheel, which was a, an apparatus that came before. Sear wheel is a single hoop, and the German wheel is actually two hoops connected with some rungs. So it's kind of like if you take a, a ladder and you curve it around and join both ends together. Now you have this, this set of hoops that are parallel, which allows you to do moves like on the parallel bars and drop down like a coin, much like the sear wheel does. Um, but I had done this act for Cirque du Soleil, as you mentioned earlier, Alex. And, and then I, um, when I left Cirque, um, this, the Cirque thing was huge, right? It was everywhere. Um, and there was nobody doing this act. So I worked pretty much, it was hired gun for anybody that wanted that act. I was the guy they called. Mm. Um, and we did a lot of work in San Diego. Uh, and at the time it probably would have been through Sam Trago or, or, um, or geez, at that time, probably in San Diego, my probably Sam, um, which is now Sam and Amy. Um, most of the work I did in San Diego was through them. And I know that you you did a lot of work with them as well. Um, so it was probably then. Um, and that was that was 2000 and 2000 till, till about 2006 or seven, I think. Um, and that was when I was doing mostly the Cirque thing that has evolved, you know, now and we do, you know, and, and we have to be careful because as much as we're talking about the mechanics, you know, we've evolved and we do a lot of things that don't have anything to do with this um I don't know, industrial looking stuff. You know, we, we skin these devices with, with flowers and plants, or we'll skin them with, with branded vinyl material to transform the, the gantry bike into an archway that looks like a, a dude ranch or, uh, or a New York city subway. Right. Um, and, um, and so while the Cirque thing um, was where we likely connected first, I'm sure it was on a Cirque event Um we still get those requests, right? But um, but that's that's kind of changed and evolved too. Have you seen um, the market lose favor with Cirque since it's been around so long? It's just not the new innovative product that it was once. Yeah, I think there's absolutely. Um, it was when we say and when we when we say Cirque in, in the event context, we we think of the the kind of um, almost cliche, what has become the cliche thing with the spandex and the full face makeup and the gibberish talking mm -hmm. and the and the and the kind of modern dance choreography, um, that still exists, and we still get those those requests for proposals of that thing, um, but so that's less hot, right? That thing, but the. The physical variety acts and acrobatics and the delivery of performance and all of that stuff is still going strong. Um, and as you probably know too, you might have some clients that say like, "Oh, we want we want to we want some else, but we don't want it the Cirque thing. We want it to be elegant." Or they'll use other adjectives, right? Rather than freaky and whatever, they'll say like, "We want something classy," or we want to, or we want to do, um, I don't know, uh, Rat Pack. Right. But we but we're OK with them doing acts, but we want it to be done to Frank Sinatra. Right. And so Cirque is just the skin you put on the, the right, other it's stuff. The wrapping. Right? Mm -hmm. It's right. the wrapping. Right. It's, it's our direction. Wrapping. Right. Yeah. It really is. And, and I think that in, in the event world. Right. We have Cirque and we have industrial. We have steampunk and we have, mm -hmm. I don't know, Greatest Showman. And we'll have and you know, whatever the whatever the hot um, Broadway show is that that people um, want to try to bring into the hotel ballroom. 
Uh, and acrobatics are really involved in most of those. They're a component, uh, mm -hmm. they're a building block. And so our focus has shifted. And in the beginning, we were trying to kind of shift away from that anyway, because we recognized that that was a genre that in my mind, like they, like why try to do what this company had done, right? Like, sure, we can do it. If somebody wants you. It's kind of like being a musician and you want to play, you want to play music. You know, you got to, if you're a wedding band, you're not going to play original music, right? You're going to play covers. Right. We, right. we as acrobats were cover bands, right? We had to play cover tunes. We had to put on the face makeup and I had to wear the tights mm -hmm. and I did that to pay the bills. But as I was doing those events with, with you guys in San Diego on the, on the Cirque style events, we were developing and building the apparatus and the theatrical shows that would go and do, um, do the theater tours that we've, we've done so much of. And that's a, a good half of what we do as a company. Um, our first show was, yeah, it was set in a factory in the 1930s based on Diego Rivera's murals. We brought Diego murals to life and with the chunky choreography of this kind of working man on the assembly line and the mustards and ochres and greens and the color palette of the lighting design was pulled from those murals. And so while I was doing the Cirque thing, and honestly, I was done with it, right? I was done with it in 2000. When I left Cirque du Soleil, I was like, okay, they've been there, done that. It was great. But now I want to do this other thing. But people in the event world at the time were like, we want to do Cirque. And we like, want okay, Cirque. I, I don't care what bills, you want to do. Right? Right, I need right. to pay my bills, right? So <laughs> I had no problem with that. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, but you're, you know, I mean, look, I have to do that so I can do this, mm -hmm. right? I did that happily. And I, and I, and, you know, somebody brought me in that I was the guy, as you said, because I could make that thing sing no matter where it was. If it was a small space, it was, you know, I had done it for so long and it's all I did that um, I could make it work um, and and I could put on the the face makeup and do the thing. Um, but you know, my brain and my artistic side was exploring this other stuff. And and um, and to this day, um, that's, you know, I mean, we, we, we as as event people, you know, sometimes your client wants to do something and you think, oh, my God, really? You want to do that? Oh, OK, uh, sure. I mean, you don't say that, but you're rolling your eyes going like, oh, Jesus, really got to do another one of these. Um, but you do it. Why do you do it? Because the client is paying you to do it and you got to serve them, right? Mm -hmm. um, if they want something, you got to find a way to maybe you put a spin on it and you to, so that you can feel good about it. Sometimes not. Sometimes you don't feel good about it. Sometimes you give it, you give them exactly what they want because that's what they want. And you give it to them at a quality and a caliber that you're proud of, but it's not how I would do it. Uh, but I'm happy with that. Why? Because I get to do what I love to do in the theater world. And we get to build the shows that we want to build yeah, um, and do the things we want to do. And so it's sort of me, the price you pay, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, mm -hmm. to put it bluntly, it's, it's what yeah. you do to be able to do what you want to do. And, uh, and so many people, so many artists just don't get that, you know, going, you know, having a, having a concert and only singing your latest hit, your, your latest album and not, you know, that your hits, that, that, that kind of mentality, it just doesn't work. You got to get know what how, they want. I don't know how anybody has any longevity doing that, right? Because, um, because you, if you're going to be around, you you got to figure out how to how to do that. I, I don't know, right. you know. I mean, Sinatra hated singing my way, and Probably I know by the end, yeah, yeah. And I know as a singer, there are certain songs that you just you've, as you said earlier, you've been there, you've done that. You want to move on as an individual. You want to grow. You want to try new things, but you have to be so aware of what the audience wants and be willing, willing, willing to give it to them. It's why you're successful and it's why you mm -hmm. can be able to do what, what it is you like to do. And that brings me to 
Zephyr, which is one of five or six productions that you have now that is actually touring or just toward the West. And it looks like it's going to the East Coast at the yep. beginning of the year in spring. Um, how did the tour go? And and what are you looking forward to moving moving into the, the East yeah. Coast? Well, so, um, yeah, thanks, Zephyr. Um, it's the so our, the life cycle of our shows. Right. It's uh, two seasons. Right. So uh, mostly because the PAC, the performing arts centers, they want you back every other year because they're going to invest in you. Right. They're going to invest in your brand. They're going to market the show. The first time they have you, they may not make money. They may lose money. They might make a little bit of money. Uh, so they want to bring you back and they don't want their audience to be to forget you. So that means you've got basically every other year they want it. So for us, that means we have to create new content pretty regularly. So this is the second season of Zephyr. Um, Zephyr will conclude its touring uh, kind of run um, in late March in California. And yes, we do start back up again on the East Coast. We're in Ohio. Um, the first season we started up in in um, here. We started in Vegas, then we do California. And then we came back in the we came back in Alaska and then did some more dates. Um, and the the first part of the tour, um, we didn't feel it. So so the it, I mean, is that the COVID thing, right? I mean, so um, when we got out of COVID, most of the art centers were like, oh my God, we can't wait. We're going to program again, right? And people are going to come back. And this, this is what, 2021, 20, 22, mm -hmm. fall 21. And we did fine that season for us. We brought back our first show for one season, which is our model. Now we'll do a new show, run it for two seasons. Then we'll bring back one of our legacy shows for one season. And so that season after COVID, we brought back our first show birdhouse factory and it was really well received. Um, it's a show that we had done for a long time. So we could recast it quite easily. And, and, and we, we didn't feel it. Um, the audiences were good, but in general, that season was really hard on presenters like that season after COVID, when people thought they were coming back, they didn't come back, right? And we know about Broadway, right? I mean, it's still not back. And um, and so a lot of these presenters that had taken risk and had said, we're going in, we're going to do it. Last season, we felt that because they book a year and a half in advance. So in that season in 21, when they were going, whoa, man, we didn't do as well, you know, even though we we sold really well, you know. We we were at the New Victory off Broadway in New York with Zephyr, and they had the best selling show with our show that they had since COVID. So, and I don't know why that is. Um, they have a really great relationship with their audiences, um, but you know that makes us feel good. But it also insulated us a little bit from how theater was struggling in some of these markets. And so what happened was is that the season that they all struggled. Were, then they were booking for the season that we just had. And so they all pulled back. And sure. so what did that mean? So that meant that our, our fall was, was light, right? We did four weeks instead of like six weeks in the fall. Um, it doesn't sound like a huge difference, but when you're doing 12 weeks a season and you lose two weeks, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big sure. uh, challenge for us as a company. Right. And we're creating original content where, you know, we, 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 we write, record the music's all original. This stuff is not, you know, it's not cheap. We have, we, we do it affordably because we have access to the, these amazing people that have grown up with us. And now they're in high level jobs, making good money for, you know, people like our, our composer, Michael Picton just composed for the new Ringling Brothers show. Mm. I mean, and they pay him a bunch of money uh, and he's able to do our projects 
because we're friends. Um, but it costs money, right? It's expensive. And so and it's all upfront cost, by oh, the way. Yeah. It's yeah. all and, up front. We don't, and we right. don't have investors. We don't have, you know, it's my my wife and I, and we finance this basically on the strength of the fact that the tour is going to sell. And so we, you know, finance it however we can creatively. Sometimes it's a, a bit on credit. Sometimes it's on, you know, the money we make in the event space goes right into the theater show, right? And and then the show goes out there and, you know, we're able to invest the money because the tour is booked in advance, right? So we know we're going to have this many weeks. So this past season was was harder. Uh, you asked about, you know, how was it? It was tougher. Um, we, you know, I mean, I'd, I would have liked to have a couple more weeks. We did many of the venues that we had done before, but we had, I don't know, out of the dozen or so venues we did in the fall, four of them were brand new or maybe even more. Five or six of them were brand new, like a, a, a large, a large number of them were new. And that's due partially to the fact that at our agency, because of the shakeups of people moving and changing mm -hmm. over the past year and a half, mm -hmm. um, we had a we had a present a person that was a presenter that moved into as an agent, and and I think agencies are kind of like real estate in some ways. They have their or or corporate or corporate salespeople. They have their own clients, right? And so mm -hmm. suddenly, we had these theaters that had never. We'd never been a breakthrough before. They didn't. They didn't book. They didn't. They didn't get right. it. They didn't want to try it. Whatever, and so so that's been great for us. So we had some new venues, which was awesome, um, and that's encouraging for me. Right, is that we continue to find these new venues because you know we've been touring in the arts market for fifteen years, right? And we're going to we're going to some places. You know where Hamilton was just last week, and then we'll go to other places that that you know is a. I don't know, 500 seats, but the, the they've got no tech. They've got, you know, like they've got, you know, 40, 40 lights from 1950s. Right. right? And, right. and, right. you know, we, I've we, been there. Yep. Yeah. Old park hands. Yep. And there's still yeah. a lot of that. And, you know, and we, so we play everything in between. Right. And, and, you know, we, we have to say no to some venues, of course, but as an arts organization, if you want to tour, Really, you got to play just about every place. You have to find a way to make it work. And we've got an amazing team of people that can make it work, make it look good, make it a show that we're proud of in, in you know, 99 of 100 venues. There, there's a there's one venue every once in a while where you're like, oh, God, don't film this. Don't let's not let's not catalog this one. Um, let's just <laughs> don't bring the camera. We don't the need audience, you know, <laughs> make sure the audience has a good time. But we're not going to we're not going to keep it for posterity. Right? right. So so that's that's been a challenge. Uh, but but um. But we we've got new venues and we're we're looking at six weeks in the spring, which is great. Um, we start on the East Coast and we finish back in California. Um, we have some kind of exciting prospects for for Zephyr and for the theater shows. Um, uh, at the beginning, um, you mentioned that we we bought our own circus tent, and so we're we're one of the things that we did during COVID when you know we were kind of shut down is we looked around the landscape and we're like, how are we going to do? How are we going to continue to do what we like to do? And um, and there were a couple of uh, circuses, small circuses that were doing really well. Um, when people decided they wanted to come back, and that could be partially because people were like, well, it's kind of outside, but not really, mm -hmm. but we feel more mm -hmm. safe for whatever reason, right? And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter whether it's real or imagined, right? Whatever it is, whatever, for whatever reason, um, and some of it is nostalgia, some of it is, you know, and it's part of what Cirque du Soleil did in the beginning, right? Is they they created, they made it cool to go inside a circus tent. Uh, and it, and I think it's cool again, and um, and it's a unique experience, and it's something that is that's a little bit different than theater in the sense that we still have all the stuff that's live, um, but in this world of like immersive stuff, there are a few environments that are more immersive than in the round, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and like 
like you know the time of Shakespeare in the round. I mean, you're the audience is around you, uh, and audiences feel the show in a way that you just don't feel in a proscenium environment. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that it that works. And so we're excited about that and terrified about that because you know sure. in that universe we have to self-produce and we, we you know we'll find partners. But uh, unlike in the presenting world where you know the agents book the show and the theaters give us a guarantee and we don't go do that week unless we have guaranteed coverage to cover our costs for the week. Um, but when you're going to throw your, you know, your setup somewhere and try it on your own and pay for everything, uh, it's terrifying. And I need to let, I need to try to, you know, we, we need to knock down the risk as much as we can. Uh, but then on some level, you just got to find a way to get comfortable with it and stomach it and try it. And we've, you know, we're, we're we're excited about doing that next season. We've got a couple of opportunities to do that, and we're we're going to be taking our theatrical shows, and this will extend the life of our theater shows, right? Because because they'll have a life in the arts market for two seasons, and then we may be able to take them and put them in the tent and to do another season, um, which gives us the ability to give our artists more work, which of course mm -hmm. is key because as the theater market, if it continues to contract and shrink, we need to find another outlet, and if people are not going to stop. Um, being entertained or wanting to be entertained. Yes, we all watch more Netflix than ever before. And yes, we don't go out as much. Um, but people are people are still going to want to do those kinds of things. And so, you know, we're trying to be there to give a, an opportunity that's um that's a little bit different than what maybe they're used to doing. And uh, we'll see. Something comes to mind, uh, and maybe I'm completely off base, but I've got to ask, does the when you're laying down or when you're touring, does that actually help you to in your preparedness, your readiness for corporate dates for one offs? They they both feed each other so well, right? So sometimes it's just because you you get to I mean, just on the talent level, right? I you know, we we when you're on the road, you mentioned you toured, you know, there's no better way to get to know somebody uh than to have to be, you know doing 16 hour days and getting in a minivan or overnight and, you know, going through what you go through. And in some ways that will just bond you in, in a way like nothing, you know, it's like going through any kind of hardship. It sounds like, you know, um, it's not like war, right. But, but it does bond you in a way that is just uh, incredible. So you really get to see what people are made of. Uh, and those people, um, those are the people you want to support and help. Right. Uh, and so, so when we go into the corporate setting, um, we've, We've had to, you know, corporate is not known for being generous and you know, nobody wants to give away their ballroom for three days before your show, right? Nobody. They want you to slam it in that morning and you do it get that it night out. and you get the hell out, right? Right. Um, and, you know, that, and we've all, we know what that is, right? We, we, as people in the event world, those are the parameters. We know what they are. And if we don't, if we, we design for that, we think for that, we build for that. And sometimes you get a little ambitious and you're like, Jesus, we really could use the night before. And then you got to go back and negotiate to get the night before. So you get it, whatever. Um, so, but being on the road, you know, and, and having to design in a theater, we load. And so we've got a 26 foot truck. All of our shows are designed to fit in a 26 foot truck. They need to be loaded and built. They need to be built by coffee. That's two hours for people, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the equity in the, the union world too it's either 10 o'clock or 10 30 you know we get in at eight and by 10 it's coffee and i got to be built at coffee why because i have to give this i got to give the stage back to the lighting guy because the lighting guy is going to want an hour longer than he has every day anyway but he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> take what we can give him which is from from 10 
10 o'clock if we stagger the breaks 10 10 o'clock and he goes until one when the artists show up artists do spacing for an hour and a half they adapt to the space and then we do a tech through for an hour and a half and then it's dinner preset doors do the show and get out of the building right um that that's kind of like corporate and so uh we kind of know how to do that now not everybody that does that can handle the corporate because in corporate unlike in theater you're walking into a ballroom and yes you may have union crew that knows what they're doing you might have people that are really prepared you might have all those things but most of the time you don't uh and so we design for that and so most of the things that i've discussed with you guys we know that we know that when we show up we're not going to have any support it's part of the reason people hire us right we're turnkey you bring us in we're going to be able to do everything we need to do if it's a stage show we just need the stage if it's the if it's one of the devices just give me a place over there in the corner and i'll build it because i can roll it around later after you set up the room right i just need to clear space on the floor we don't need labor we don't need any help we don't need any overhead rigging we don't need that stuff so we designed for that environment um because we learned um from being in that world and 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 the event world helps us in the theater world. Sometimes we built something for for the event world and we end up using that in a theater show, much like we do with the gantry mm -hmm. bike uh, and some of these other devices, you know. Have you ever been in a situation when you've gone to the ballroom, you've started setting up and as they're setting up the ballroom, you see, oh, wait, there isn't going to be any room for us to move this around because the planning was poor or non-existent. And if so, how do you, how do you rectify? Yeah. Um, I, well, um, if we've done our job right, we've had the communication with our client so they know what those parameters are. And so when somebody starts setting something up that's in the way, we right away go to them and say, hey, you remember we talked about this? And they go like, oh, my God. And, you know, they might have forgotten. Or, or there may be a piece of decor that's, you know, as we talked about earlier, they may have hung a Know, chandelier or some kind of overhead drape or something that's going across the path. And we have to walk in the building and be looking for all those problems, right? Mm -hmm. We have to expect them. I, I know we're not unique like that. I think any, anybody that's doing the event, you know, you walk in the door, you're looking for, what are they, the problems. What are they done? you know, what are they done? Right. right. Did they, you know, right. is the trust, is the trust at trim? Are the projectors hanging down too low? Are they going to, you know, are we going to get shadows and are they going to shoot through that? That is that are they really hanging that decoration right in front of the projector you know like you know the more on it you are the quicker you see those things the better chance you have of fixing them in such a way that doesn't cause real problems or that yeah. anybody can really see later so if we've done our homework on the front side sometimes we don't have the opportunity right because we're three layers removed in the communication game right. it just doesn't work right and that, right. that that happens to all of us right um so you know we just have to be really, really, when we walk in the door, we need to be looking for all that stuff. And just like anything else, you know, you walk in the room, you make friends with everybody, make sure people know who you are and that you know what their job is and what they're doing. And, and, and that way, an hour later, when, when that lighting guy's putting a boom right in the way, you can go up to him and call him by name and say, Hey man, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be our path rather than, you know, we're setting up over here. And then later somebody goes up to the guy goes hey you got to move that because we're you know no like i mean no no you know, and it's 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 you gotta play nice it's you do you have to play nice in a theater you're the only game in town right but in a in an event right you have to work with the other stakeholders to make sure that everybody is getting their job done and it's a, it's a very different animal 
well and i think artists can get into trouble in that way right because especially Very in much. entertainers right in general like and you know i mean look all of us you already I mean, have a reputation we yeah well and, or and or you just look and you 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 need to understand this isn't about us right and these events like right. look it could be about it's all about whatever the the theme of the thing or the the sales or the CEO's ego or who knows what right the thing's really about but it's not about us I mean entertainers are like look we're we're like a lot of candy and window dressing on this thing we're trying to make it pretty we're trying to make it fun but they're going to do this event without us if they have to right I mean mm -hmm. at the end of the day they're going to be like look uh, we need this PowerPoint to happen because I need to show our sales team the numbers you guys are just you know. And you can't get upset about that. I mean, as much as we we take our art seriously, we take the thing that we've worked our whole lives to make it beautiful, to make it compelling, to make it whatever. But when they say, uh, yeah, I know you, I know we told you you would have four minutes, but you got two. All right, fine. I got two. You know, give me the, you know, give me the track and we'll go re-choreograph this thing and we'll give you two. Um, can't get upset about it, right? I mean, if you, you, you can, look, and we all get upset about it, but you have to just throw that, you got to put that in check right away because I think if you understand your place in that ecosystem, you're going to be, you're going to have a much healthier ability to, to, to deal with all the baloney, right? Cause there's going to be some. Um, there there sure. absolutely is going to be some. And uh, you know, I think both of us have been in the industry long enough that we know before we go into a project, what we have to look for that could be an issue later on that, the client or the third party or whomever it is just isn't thinking about, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that ceiling heights in these ballrooms are often miscommunicated <laughs> or, uh, you know, the hotel will publish a ceiling height. That's the actual highest point in the ballroom, but doesn't account for the fact that there's soffits or chandeliers that hang lower. And, you know, those are the things that, you have to be aware of or think about in advance that could actually make or break the the event for you for the performer right and it's just the kind of the thing that you get from experience and and having been there and seen it happen uh i can't imagine it's easy and you you know i i i say this with a lot of compassion for somebody like you because you have to think about all those things and deal with them in advance to sometimes even know whether it's going to be possible for you to be a part of something. Yeah. And, and you have to build in the, you have to build in a little bit of like um, when they tell you it's 18, you have to kind of go, okay, well, if it's 16, I get, I need to know, we need to have a good plan. Um, you, you asked earlier about how, how has the theater world and what you learned there, um, I don't know, helped you. Um, we bring we bring a disto, a laser measurement tool, right? So mm -hmm. if I'm not sure, I stick that sucker underneath the chandelier and I could tell you it's 18 feet and three and a half inches. And I know I'm clear by two inches. I'm good, right? Um, but in the beginning, you don't do that, right? In the beginning, you just go like, oh, we need 18 feet. Oh, they said it's 18 feet. We'll be fine. And you get right. there and you realize it's, you, you build the thing and then you realize, oh no, it's not 18 feet. It's 17. They said 18, but it's actually, it's actually 17 foot 11. Right. That's not 18 feet. And That's we, and our devices, feet. I mean, I, I'll, I'm fine. Like if they, if I know it's 18 feet and, or, or it's, if my, my device is 18 feet, we tell, you know, our, our devices, we tell people it's 20. It's actually not 20. It's 19, 11 and a half. So if they give me 20, I'm fine. Like as long as I'm not rolling over a cable bridge, 
right? Which is another two and a half inches. I'm good. Right. right? But we have to know this stuff. And that just, as you said, with experience, that just comes with it. I mean, you know, what was me? That's just part of the job. That's not a, that's not a, it's just part of it. Uh, and, and, it, and it's just a part of it that we just don't, we don't bemoan it. It's just one more thing that is something we got to deal with. And, and, as, and, and, you know, as long as you're planning for it, you have the conversations up front. And as you said, um, you know, you, on an event, I might be working for Balada, who's then working for, I don't know, some DMC, who's then working for somebody who's working for someone. Um, but the more of the yous that are, you know, if if I'm working an event with somebody like yourself, then and we're both in the room, then there's less of a chance we're going to get egg on our face, right? Walking right. home with you and, and and you know, and then, I don't know, Jacqueline or any of these other people that we know, like people that have been around for a while, there's less of a chance. Now, do we still have issues? Of course we do. Um, but it, it's like the team thing, right? Our team, when we're in the event environment, it extends to, you know, we've got our our team and then we have the extended team, which is then, you know, the people that are bringing us in. And the more times we've worked together, the more you know more intimately what our needs are, mm-hmm. you, you're going to do the same thing I would do. You're, you know, I don't have to tell you or ask you, can you check the that that balloon they're going to hang in front that balloon drop netting can you check that for me no you're going to think of that so you know as we do it more and as we work with people who have been around longer we have better chance of not screwing it up uh but you know we still get surprised uh but the difference the difference the real big difference there on the experience level is um is that nothing ever goes exactly the way it's going to be planned as as it's planned but the more experience the higher experience level uh the better chance you have of nobody Nobody, you know, of you being able to just rub, rub it off and just be like, oh, no, we know how to deal with this. We've been here before. We've seen this problem dressed up a hundred different ways and we know how to address it. And, that's and I have to say, you do a really, really good job of trying to communicate the dimensions of the contraptions, how they move, how they look uh, in you know, on your website, circmechanics.com. Uh, you do a very good job. You have a page dedicated just to the contraptions. And any potential buyer out there can simply go to those pages and learn about the dimensions of them and get a bit of an idea of how they work in advance. So, you know, kudos to you. That took a lot of work and time. Ensuring <laughs> that, was, that was that was COVID. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> that was COVID. It was like, what am I going to do? Right. I mean, you know, like we all some people learned another language, some people, whatever, you know, uh, went to the gym. I. I figured out like I kind of looked at the website and went like, okay, what are we, what information do people want to know and how can we give it to them in a way that they can digest it? And, you know, as we've, as we're around longer, we have relationships with people like yourselves who we can, I can just call and be like, Hey, Anthony, can you take a look at this? Cause I, I think, I think this makes sense, but you know, and, uh, and so we, we've gotten, we've gotten better at asking um, just like we do in our, in the creative on on stage or or in the event on the building the apparatus it's the same thing for marketing this stuff and trying to run these things as businesses i mean the arts most of us that get into the arts we're not business people right if we were we'd run away we'd run the other way and that's right do something else right <laughs> so those of us that run these companies uh, have to kind of it's a school of hard knocks and uh and you know well we again been around longer we've got more people we can lean on you know more more of our friends that have figured it out or have addressed these things. We talked about insurance and liability, you know? I mean, I have people call me that, because they know we do this and they'll say, hey, who do you use? And so we share that information. We're trying to help our friends out and 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 uh, yeah, build that kind of community of people that we trust, which is key. 
Well, I think that's why you're so well-loved and you're Mm -hmm. so successful in what you do. Thank you for being on the podcast with us today and, and sharing some of the ins and outs that you deal with uh, running Cirque Mechanics. Uh, And thank you for being such a valued partner and also a really good representative of the arts community, uh, doing it right, doing it well, and uh, making people feel joyful. It's really what it's all about. I'm glad you, you, uh, thank you for saying that about the arts. Uh, I actually had a, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to answer a question that you didn't ask me. And that is one, what is one change you'd like to see in the world? This is part of your- That's right, I didn't, let me ask you. (laughs) <laughs> okay, good. Joshua, what is one change you'd like to see in the world? Well, because you brought it up. Um <laughs> uh so it's actually not the world, it's in the US, but I, I want to focus on the US, and that is um for me, um, I would love for circus um to be seen as an art form, much like it is in most of the rest of the world, in Asia, in Europe. Um, and the way to do that is we have to elevate what circus is and it's changing, it's evolving, right? So that's the first thing. And, uh, and I, and I, I do my part in that by, you know, I'm on the I'm a founding board member of the thing we called, it's called the American Circus Alliance. And so we have this community of circus producers and promoters and artists, um, that's growing and, um, we have monthly meetings and we share and help each other. And then the other thing is, um, I, I, I heard, um, Stephen Van Zant. Um, who was uh, Bruce Springsteen's like you know right hand man consigliere for all these years was was in a show uh, a couple of days ago I saw it and it's something that I feel but he articulated in a way that I thought was really great and he said that um that America is like the only if not one of the only kind of civilized Western nations where art is seen as a luxury and um and that should change and I yes. thought wow that that's absolutely true and as we talk about you know, because people can say like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we need to eat, we need to, we need to work, we need to do these things. But increasingly, we're being made more made more aware of mental health and, and, uh, and being a full person, and to be to be kind of a, a positive member in the community and family, you know, be able to support our families. And I think that the arts um, help us to do that. And um, so for me, um, you, I'm, i I'm thrilled that you brought up the arts thing. I'm joking when I say, oh, because you asked me, I'm going to answer it. But mm-hmm. uh, but you did bring up the arts part of it. And I, I'm really happy about that because um, I think that it's something really important to me. And, uh, and you know, it's shaped so much of who I am and what I and I'm happy to get to be be doing it, um, you know, in some way um, I get to be be touching the, the arts um, almost every day. Part of our humanity. Uh, without the arts, we lose that. Yeah, we risk losing our humanity. It teaches us many, many valued lessons. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we can't wait to work with you. Our fingers are still mm-hmm. crossed for our January booking that we are Me moving too. to a bigger ballroom with more headspace, so we can bring you aboard, which is what we're all trying to do. Yes. The end client included. Uh, right so, on. Yeah, keep those keep keep thinking positively, and uh, thank you again for joining us today, Chris Lashua with Sir Mechanics. Thank you, pleasure. 
Okay, thank you for listening to Balotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Balotified is a production of Balada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Balada. Stay engaging. <laughs>